We're going to learn from your word this morning, and we pray that we would just listen and we would trust. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you have a Bible, head on over to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We've been uh, in a study in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, for some time. I'm not even sure how many weeks, maybe four or five weeks. And we've got to uh, chapter 3. And so we've spent three weeks, actually. So this is our fifth uh, in chapter 1. And we did all of chapter 2 last week, and it was a jam-packed uh, service. And so we are going to uh, unpack a little bit of chapter 3 this morning and really find the aspect of time uh, in eternity. Time and eternity this morning. When, when my wife and I got married, uh, my wife, we moved into to a house and we were renting the house. And there was this space that was perfect for a coffee cart. And so I'm not sure if coffee carts are still a thing uh, or not, uh, but she wanted a coffee cart, and sure enough, we just got married, and so I jumped online, and I looked up coffee carts, and uh, we just got married, so money was not unlimited, and uh, I noticed how much coffee carts were, and so I got this idea. I said, hey, I'm going to build a coffee cart, and if you get close enough to me, you'll see a little bit of paint left on my hands. Don't let that fool you. I am in no way a woods worker. And I am quite terrible at it. But, but I said, hey, I'm going to build this. And she's going to love it. And it's going to be great. And so sure enough, uh, what any great builder who doesn't know anything does, they go to YouTube, right? And so I went to YouTube. I said, there's no, th this is not going to be hard at all. Piece of cake. And so I went and I noticed I didn't have, at this time, just married, didn't have any power tools. And so I went on Facebook Market and I got some power tools. And I went to Lowe's, got everything that I thought that I needed, some stain. Went to the garage, laid everything out, and I thought YouTube made it look so easy, right? And so I thought, this is not going to take very long. And uh, long story short, it just did not work out in the time that I had expected it to. And sure enough, I would put some pieces together, and I'd, I'd, I'd set it up, and it would be crooked, and it would, like, fall over. And so I'd disassemble it, and I'd do it again. And sure enough, I had to get some more wood because I ruined the spots where I was supposed to put the, the, the screws. And so sure enough, it took me this, this long ordeal. In fact, it took me over a week to build this. I mean, I didn't spend the whole time, but after work, to, to build this this coffee cart, but sure enough, it happened. It was finished. We had a coffee cart uh, for a little while, and if you're wondering, it did not make the move uh, to, to, Pitt, to Indiana, but we sold it in a garage sale, so I guess you could say uh, that uh, I am, I'm a woods worker because I sold some of my, so if you want something, don't ask me. Um, and so, uh, but the, the end, uh, the, the essential part of the story is it did not work out in the time in which I had expected it to work out. It took much longer. My time frame was not, in fact, what I thought that it would be. And so Solomon mentioned something throughout this first portion of chapter 3 in Ecclesiastes. And it's a word that he mentions time and time again, and it's the word time and that's what I want to dwell on this morning as we go into it. Time is something that uh, many of us are, are considering in these moments. We just uh, had some time to honor some seniors. And whether you're graduating high school or college or kindergarten or junior high, uh, there's a moment for those graduates where we think about time. We think of memories uh, of what happened 
over time, we think of future of what will time bring us, right? Parents and grandparents are thinking, what happened to the time? Time just flew by. Even if you're not in that stage of life, you can look out around you in this world and uh, just uh, go out and drive down 37, now 65, and just see how time has just changed everything and life's not what it used to be and time just goes. Uh, Christmas was over 140 days, I think, ago, and it's just like time just goes, and we can never keep up with it. And even good things in time. We, we're about to celebrate 10 years as a church and just thinking about all that God has done over the course of time. Time is something that we oftentimes think about because time is a blessing. Time's a blessing that God gives us, and the cool thing about time is today we've been all given the same amount of time, 24 hours, and God has said, hey, you can manage the time. It's something that God has gifted us and God has given to us that we, in fact, get to manage ourselves. And so Solomon, we've seen chapters 1 and chapters 2, all throughout 1 Kings, Solomon has done a lot with time. He's achieved a lot with time. He's accumulated it a lot over time, and he's coming to grips, and in a way, he's searching another box called time, and he finds that time is not what he expected it to be because he lived his life consuming and consuming. He's coming to grips that he cannot control time, and time is heavy. And so he's already focused, and, and he's opened a box of creation, and he found nothing of value there. And so he turns to human effort and he finds nothing of value. And so last week he turned to pleasures and he found nothing of value. And then he turned to success and he found nothing of value. And now, and then he turned to legacy and he found nothing worth keeping. And so he's going to turn to an element of time. And so let's dive in and read the first couple of verses uh, this morning, break those down, and we'll continue on. The Bible says this in verse 1, to everything there's a season. And a time for every purpose under heaven. And here's the boom, time after time. Here it is. A time to be born and then a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to uh, throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And he says this, what profit has the worker from that in which he labors? Anyone think of a song here? Uh, I just got to gotta ask, anyone think of, of, of a song? I don't know the song. Uh, but I, I researched a lot about the song. The Birds in 1965 created a song uh, here uh, and pretty much plagiarized Solomon. Uh, but they didn't write it. Pete, Pete Sagar, I think his name is, actually wrote this. And the Birds just made it popular. And he wrote it in the 50s. And a fun fact about this song, although I've never listened to it, I planned on it and I forgot. I researched a lot about this song, and so maybe we'll have to play it. No, I'm just kidding. But um, fun fact about this song was that Pete would actually send royalty checks 
to Israel because he understood he essentially plagiarized uh, Solomon. And so he didn't really know who to send it to. He almost sent it to, sent it to London and, and King James. And so he says, no, I'll send it to where it originally was founded. And so he would send royalty checks there. Fun fact. But what I read about the song is that it was kind of a lighthearted, fun, easygoing song. And, uh, but I get the sense that's not what Solomon's saying here. Uh, I get the sense if you link this passage contextually to the rest of Ecclesiastes, uh, I get the sense that there's this same level of frustration that Solomon is echoing in, in these pages of scriptures as he's like, this, this is time. There's a time for all things, and it's, and it's heavy, and in a way, it, it's vanity. And so I thought it may be good to uh, reconsider and maybe uh, culturalize it a little bit and, and not, not edit the Bible, but just simply uh, give some thoughts of maybe something that, that we would write in this time to maybe get a glimpse of the heaviness that Solomon was in fact facing when he wrote these words. And so we get the birds out of our mind and we get kind of what, what Solomon was really talking about here. And so I wrote a couple of things that maybe are relevant to today when we would say there's a time your kids think you're super dad. And there's a time when your kids are embarrassed to be around you. There's a time when you binge watch Netflix with your spouse and then there's a time for marital conflict. There's a time where you earn, and then there's a time when you wonder if you have enough to retire. There's a time for healthy pregnancies, and there's a time for miscarriage. There's a, there's a time for chemotherapy, and, and there's a time for, for remission. There's a time for peace in this world, and there's a time for, for intense conflict. And, and when you think of it like that, you, you can kind of get a glimpse of, of the heaviness that Solomon may have been feeling in these moments when we look at, at the words that Solomon will say in a minute and, and we get the, the same glimpse that Solomon saying is like, this is, this is hard to deal with. Time is not in my favor. There's good and there's bad. And because of the curse of man, everything has become available under the sun for us to enjoy. But that also means that we're going to have to face some things too. And insert, that's life under, under the sun. That, that's our relationship with time. And so here he's a little bit heavy, and in a way Solomon gets a glimpse that he kind of feels like a prisoner to the cycle of life called time. And so I want to take a moment and break down just simply two thoughts in this passage of scriptures all the way down to hopefully verse 15, if we can make it. And so let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for sending your son for the reason in which we assemble here today is because you have risen and our faith is not dead because our faith is in a risen Lord, and it's in you. And Lord, I pray that we will have that hope. Lord, I thank you for the awesome worship uh, that we've had this morning and just the, the preparation and the amount of time that it took for people to, to be here, to train, to prep the 905 classes. And Lord, just a great, great day so far, Lord, wrapped around you. Lord, I pray as we open up the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3 and we look at this element of time. Lord, I pray that we will use our time for your glory and in all things that we do. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Two thoughts this morning. The first thing that I find in verse 1 through 9 is we're called to look up. We're called to look up. You could say this way. Look up. God orders time. And the reality is we can look up because we have a God who's in control. We have a God who's in control 
over our time. And if you don't know, this book is, is in the realm of, of the, the poetry writings in the Old Testament. And so many people have penned this as like a journal entry in the life of Solomon. We don't know that, but we know it's a poetry. And so it appears to kind of get the residence of kind of a journal entry where he's either writing or someone's writing about the experiences in which he faced. And so he's taking some time to elaborate on his experiences, and he's going to come to a conclusion that God is in control. Because the reality is, if this meaningless life is all there is, if this uh, broken world is all that there is to offer, why are we here? Like, uh, what are we doing with our life? It's all meaningless. If this is all that life will bring us, if we live and we die, if we toil and then we, and then we labor and profit a little, like, that just doesn't add up. There has to be more. And he's going to find a conclusion that in verse 11, it's Christ. It's God. God gives to a man, time is given to us by God. Time is given to us by God to, to draw us unto him, to point us to him. Time is a, a creation of God, and he shows us that. Someone once said this, you're no place by accident. You're no place by accident. There's intelligent design, and God has given us life, creation, and even time to be used for his glory. Because the fact is that there's nothing outside the will of God. The theology behind this is, is that God is sovereign, that, that God has complete and total control over life, over creation, and over time, and, and he's going to perform his sovereign will in it, and we simply uh, get to sit back and watch him work, and then once we know him, we can be involved in the process to see his will come to uh, existence, and so God is sovereign, and God uses things like time to reveal himself to man. And what an amazing thing that is that, that we know that God is in control. Isaiah 14 will say it this way. Isaiah 14, 24. It says, Surely as I have fought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. What's that mean? Nothing is done by accident, but by the purpose of God. God has got to set all this up, and we have good, and we have bad, and all things are available to us, but all things are for a purpose, and so we can, we can in fact trust God. Someone once said this, if any element of the universe, uh, if there is any element of the universe that's outside of his authority, then he's no longer God over all. In other words, sovereignty is a natural attribute of our creator because God owns what he makes and he rules what he owns. And, and he, is, he is overall. He, he has complete control. And so we don't have to fret over time. We need to steward time and do our best to be disciplined with time, but, but with the submission and with the understanding that God controls it. And, and his sovereign will will guide us. Psalm 115.3 says it this way, Our God is in heaven and he does what he pleases. And so time is simply a method in which God uses to reveal himself to us and, and, to, and, and once we know him, to draw us closer to him in this process called sanctification and to be used to shine our light for Christ. But at the end of the day, he controls. And so there's hope that we can look up. It's not depressing God controls so nothing matters, but the things that matter, God can work for his, for his purpose, for, for his good. And so uh, there's hope there. God controls. And it, that just simply leaves us with, with a question to answer. Do you trust him or not? Uh, that God has already, it is what it is. God has complete control. And it's just now what do we do with it? And we can do two things. We can, we can submit to him and trust him. 
or we can reject it and deny him. Those are our only two options. We can submit and trust God or choose to rebel against God. That's the only options that we have. And so the writer will continue and he'll say 14 statements uh, specifically really about time and, and what we can do with time. And these statements are called uh, what's, what's known as a mirrorism. And what a mirrorism is, it's a rhetorical uh, device in which the combinations of two different elements kind of come together. And so, it, it, it's, it, for example, it's like instead of saying I searched everywhere, you would say I searched high and I searched low. Right? The, the extremes of both. I've, I've covered it all. I've searched high and I searched low. And he shows us, hey, here's the cycle of time. Here's your life with time. Here it is, 14 statements that summarize it all. And so he's going to right here. And when we get inside this list, we see there's a summary of uh, the human experience with time and there's a summary of the human emotion with time. Because the, the human experience with time is this, a birth and death. That's the experience. You, 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 uh, there will be a time when you're born and there will be a time where you die. That's the essence of the human experience. Both sides, but then human emotions. There's, there's weeping and there's laughing. There's mourning and there's laughing. That's the human experience with emotion and there's life. That's what we have, and so the writer will indicate. And I find it interesting that many, uh, if not all of these 14 statements, have to do with, with things that happen over the course of time. Because that's what, that's what we live for, time. We live so reactionary to time, right? Uh, we try to do things on time. We try to make time. We try to make the most of time. We even sometimes try to live up to someone else's expectations of time too. And, and everything we do has, has regard onto, on how I can live longer, how I can uh, live happier, how I can make the most of my day, how I can make the most of, of my time, which is good. God, there's principles that God gives us to steward, but we get so wrapped around it and Solomon's coming short because he couldn't control it and he shows us neither can we. And so he breaks down some things here and he, and he says this, he says, to everything there's a season and a time for every purpose under the sun. And just like there's every, there's, there's things, there's time for every purpose, uh, that means there's times for good, but there's also times for trouble. There's also times for bad. And because of the curse of sin, everything has been made available to us. Well, you say, that's not fair. Oh, well, well, God has inserted the redemption plan that we'll get to later to reveal himself to us, but everything's available. And that's good, that should excite you, but it's bad, that should humble you. But each, good and bad, should point you to the reality that you need Jesus. You need Jesus to guide your life. And so Solomon's realizing that there's an appointed time for everything, but he's coming to the conclusion that God is in control of everything, too. And so here we are. Um, and, and let me just say that that doesn't mean we, we're not good stewards with time, right? And so before we dive in, we, we must be good stewards uh, I'm not saying that, that we just kick back and, and, and do what we want, eat what we want, spend what we want, uh, just live our life because nothing essentially matters. God has control. He's going to guide me either way, and so I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. No, 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 but, but, but uh, we, we do things, we steward, but we, we submit our will to him. We trust that, that at the end of the day, he has control. For, for example, I could... Uh, I'm not, but I could be the, the most fit person in this room and in this state, right? And, and I could be the, the, the essence of, of health. 
and I could walk out and you could, you could talk to me and I could guide you and counsel you about fitness and about health, uh, which you should never come to me about, but I can do those things. But the reality is I can go home today and I can jump on a mower and a tree could fall on me and I could be sent into eternity like that. And it doesn't essentially matter what I've steward, stewarded and God tells us to steward, but it's an understanding that at the end of the day, God has control. And so what do we do? We, we don't live in misery. We look up because we have a God who's in control, and that should point us to him. That should excite us. And so here's this list. I spent a little too long on that. Here it is. He says this. Well, here's the 14 statements. There's a time to, to be born, and there's a time to die. This is uh, the, the ends of life. You, you, you're born and you die. Someone once said the initiation, the duration, and the termination of our earthly presence are all under his divine authority. God has, God has control, and that shouldn't put us into fear. That should put us into hope that we have a God who controls all things, and that should move us to, to following him more. It's as Paul said in Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, what's that mean? Paul's facing much persecution. Uh, he's shipwrecked, abandoned, he's broken, he's in prison, and he's saying, hey, my life is being used as a reflection of the gospel. My life is being used uh, for what matters most. And he says, I can find joy in my afflictions uh, because I'm, in my struggle, I've been strengthened in this cycle of time that's been offered to me. I've been strengthened and I've used it for his glory. I've pointed others to him too. But everything's available to me. And so we live and we die. He says we plant and we pluck up. This is simply the cycle in which we've been given under the sun. And so one side of the coin, it's good, we like it, but when we flip it over, we can't escape from the brunt reality that things just happen over the course of time. And I love that this is about King Solomon, the guy who had it all, the guy if anyone could snap his fingers and get out of a situation, it was him, and he's showing us that he can't. Time it is heavy on him because time is something that Solomon could not control. And the reality is neither can we. We will face good and we will face bad. And although we don't always understand why sometimes bad things do happen, we trust that God is in control. We submit to him. And I love this because this flies in the face of the prosperity gospel. That, that when, when, we're, we're quiet, when, we, when we're saved, we're saved for the remissions of our sins. And so we trust in him completely. But my salvation doesn't promise me prosperity. We're saved because, because we had recognized where we were without Christ. And we needed eternal peace. And so we turned to him. And it wasn't, uh, I want Jesus so I can be blessed. But I want Jesus so I can be healed. And that's why, and that's why we claim him. So I love that Solomon faced struggles. And he shows us that we will too. Because life's not, not all just glory. They're struggling. And life is heavy sometimes. But we can look up and trust in the one who controls time. And is sovereign over time and then he goes on and he says there's a time to kill and there's a time to heal this hebrew word for kill is not the same word used in the sixth commandment thou shalt not kill it's not talking about premeditated evils that is wrong and we've seen some of that this week with with, with the wickedness of the school shooting and just what to say this is life under the sun there will be things that take place because of the sin cursed world because the world's broken and so this is talking more about natural things that people will will pass things will happen accidents will take place there's a time to kill and there's a time for healing and we don't know 
exactly why some pass and some are healed, but we do know that God is in control, and so we trust him. We don't have all the answers, nor do I, nor do you, but we trust in the sovereignty of God that he is, in fact, in control. And so he goes on. He says there's a time to cast away, and there's a time to gather stones. And I love this because if uh, the context is so rich of, in this. If you study it out, if you just skim over it, you're like, what's that mean? They're picking up rocks, they're skipping stones. No, no, this is, this is interesting. Because in that day, you would scatter stones on the, the farming land of your enemies, and it would cause great problems for them. They couldn't crop their fields. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't farm. They couldn't plant. And so it caused great uh, harm to the people. But it was, a, it was a curse, but it was also a blessing. Because they would have to take the time, then it, sometimes the stones would be used for battle too. But it was, it was for a curse and a blessing. The curse was that people had to go in and clear the land so that they could be able to till and do those things and provide for their villages and their cities. But it was also a, built, a blessing because they'd use those stones to make their cities and villages stronger. And so it was a curse, but it was also a blessing. He's saying, hey, there's a time for both. There's a time for peace and there's a time for conflict. There's a time where you're going to have to work. This is life under the sun. He goes on, he says there's a time to uh, embrace and there's a time to refrain from embracing. This, of course, is talking about a sexual intimacy, which Hebrews 13 will tell us is in the context of marriage. And so there, there's, a, there's a time for that, but it's in the order that God has it. It's in the context of marriage. And then he says this, there's a time to gain and there's a time to lose. There's a time to uh, keep and there's a time to throw away. We acquire and we let go. We get and we let go, and these are the process of life. And then he says this, there's a time to tear and there's a time to sow. And this is also interesting because uh, this word uh, sowing indicates a more peaceful time. And this word tearing indicates a sign of grief. And so in this culture, uh, you would uh, rip your garments as an outward cry of grief. Okay, and so uh, now you go to the mall today and people have just ripped clothes and ripped jeans. And that day people would come up to you and, and comfort you. Are, are you okay? What are you, what's wrong with you? What are you going through? I, you, you don't do that today because the culture has, has changed. But in that time it, it was an outward sign of grief. And then you mended it uh, after the grief was over. And that was, that was it. We see this in Genesis 37 with Jacob. When, it, when he ripped his garment and he put on sackcloths when he's mourning for his son many days. You see this even in, with God in, in uh, 1 Kings 11 with Solomon. When, when God says to Solomon, once he's going to remove the kingdom from him, he says, I will tear, same word, tear away the kingdom from you. What's it saying? This was a grief to God to do so. And so we see this. There's a time that where we grieve or we tear and there's a time when we mend it back together. He says there's a time for, to keep silence, there's a time to speak, there's appropriateness in our speech. There's a time to love, time to hate, time for war, time for peace. What, what's this list show us? It's a lot of details. It shows us this, everything's available to you. You cannot escape the highs of life, but you cannot escape the lows of life. Under the sun, this is the human experience. And so what do we do? There's only one thing that we really can do. We look up and we trust that God has control because he does. He promises that he does. He shows us in verse 11 that he does. And so here's 14 statements that we face, good and bad, but God has control. But I find that you can only trust in who you know. 
And so maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ, and so Christ doesn't seem trustworthy to you. And you need to, you need to know him. You need to come to, to faith. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But, but this Christian life, like God's in control. No, I'd rather take the, the reins in my own hands because God doesn't seem trustworthy because you don't know Jesus. But the same thing's true if you don't live an active relationship with Christ today and you do know him, but you don't live for him, he doesn't seem trustworthy either. Life doesn't make sense when you're not actively living it with Christ and the heaviness of life takes you and and although there is heavy things in life and we go through things, uh, with Christ they're much easier and with Christ we can find joy in all things and we can be content in all things. And so what's the essence of it? The key is to have a relationship with Jesus. And if you know Christ, be active in Christ and understand that he is in fact control of all things. Let me ask you this. When's the last time that you simply stopped and you looked up and you dwelt in the presence of God? When's the last time you actually slowed down and, and, and you were brought to tears because of how good God was? Because of the presence of God in your life? Because time wants us to go, 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 go. Time wants us to take and seize and do all that we can. But when's the last time that you just bent a knee, instead of using the couch for Netflix, you turned around, you, you knelt on your face, and you just, and you just worshiped God. You just thanked him for his, his sovereignty, for his control, and how he orchestrated all things in your life and made them to what they are. When's, when's the last time you just took some time to just look up and say, God, thank you for being in control. We need to look up. The second thing we need to do is this, we need to look within. Look within. That's found in verse 9 through 15. The Bible says this in verse 9. Look within. Life has more to offer. Verse 9 says it this way. What prophet has a worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task which the sons of men are, uh, are to be occupied with. We saw this last week. Solomon experienced it all. Under the sun, he's experienced all all things, and he's going to find beauty in it in verse 11, but outside God's order, there's disappointment. And Solomon finds that. He spent his life living for things that God may have had for him in another season, but he sees them himself, and, and, and he does uh, awesome things. He builds buildings for God. He, he does works. He builds houses, but he does it in his timing, not in, not in God's. And so we find that Solomon lives a life out of order. It's not that the things that Solomon all did was wicked. It's that it was outside of the order in which God had for him. And so he looks in. It's all profit. But hey, uh, what is this? I've experienced it all and I've had success. But since it was out of God's order, I feel empty inside under the sun. And verse 11 says it this way. He's He's starting to find some conclusions. He says, God has made everything beautiful in his time. Like, there, there's time and it's heavy, but here's my conclusion. God has made it all beautiful in his time, in his order, right? Solomon stepped out of the order of God, but, but in the order of God, time, it's, it's beautiful. And Solomon concludes that God has a purpose and God has an appropriate time for all things. And Solomon's correct. There, there, there's, there's appropriateness here. It's, there's beauty here. When you stay in the lines that God has you in, there's beauty. But when you step outside of those, there's, there's disappointments. And so what do we do? We trust him. 
And we find chapters 1 and chapter 2, read it. He doesn't always have the correct theology, right? Sometimes he's, he's living and writing as a man who doesn't actively dwell on God, but here he reaches a good conclusion. God's in control, so I should trust him. Time is a beautiful thing. Uh, God has orchestrated all things in his time. And he's finding that, God, that life's in God's hands, and there's an appropriate time for all things. And so we're to trust in God. He's essentially understanding this. He's fragile and God is not. And he's used his life for that which he could consume, but time he could not figure out. And so he's going to leave him to a point, as verse 11 continues, that he's going to find what's missing, and that's God. He, he, he missed what was actually important, and we'll see that in the next phrase. But, but he's not saying that everything's beautiful in our cultural view of beauty. That's not what he's saying. He's saying another word for translation of beauty is fitting or, or appropriate, your Bibles may say. And so although everything's available to you, good and bad, it's fitting, it's appropriate in his time, in his, in his sovereign will. And so it's a beauty for us when we just simply rely on a sovereign God to guide our way because he will do that. And so our focus should be, Lord, trust me. Lord, let me stay in your presence so that you guide my way. And whatever you have for me to endure, Lord, I trust you because you're big G God. Where are you at? And, and, and you have control. He loves that phrase. I love that phrase. I just, that's the first time I think I've ever said it. Well, that worked. Look at that. The reality is, highs and lows. God, your ways are higher, your plans are greater, and so do what Solomon didn't do, submit to him. It's, it's a realization that our inabilities give way for his ability to work through us. And so God, move. God, work. God, do what only you can do. How? Look within. Life's ha life has more to offer than what you live your life consumed to do. Look to Christ. Look to God. So the question is, who are you looking to? You're looking to self, time, work, possessions, family. Not bad things, but are you looking to Christ? Look to Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. And once you understand that there's more to life, then verse 12 makes sense. Skip down to verse 12. It says this, nothing's better for them to rejoice and do good in their lives and enjoy it. When you understand that there's more to life than just you and that we can trust God and we can enjoy life in the context that God has for us, life's a good thing. God says that it's a good thing. Do good. Walk in obedience to me and life is awesome. Life is good, but trust in who I am. God wants us to enjoy our life. But, you know, sometimes with, in regards to time, we, we spend our time reminiscing about time, regretting time, or looking forward to the time that God may have for us in the future that we miss what God has for us right now. And sometimes we do this with the best intentions. Parents do this. I can't wait to have a kid. And then we have kids. And I can't wait until uh, they're out of diapers. I can't wait until uh, they can pee on their own. I can't wait until we can, they can feed themselves. I can't wait to see all these things, right? I can't wait to see, I can't wait till they go to school and give me a little bit of a break. I can't wait until they go to high school, get their license and graduate. But then we cry and we're upset. And I can't wait till they get married, but then they move away. And I can't wait until they give me grandbabies. And although we do this with, with sincerity, 
so often we can get to this place where we're looking for the next thing that we miss what God wants to do with the time that we have today because we're always looking for something else. Teens do this. Right? I can't wait till I get the job so I can buy my own clothes. I can't wait to uh, get my license. I can't wait to get out of this house. I can't wait to graduate. And, and we miss what God wants us to do right now. We do this in marriage. We do this in careers. We do this constantly. There's a picture of a guy. I, sh- I, didn't, I don't have it on the screen, but there's a picture of the guy at, at a PGA event. Uh, you may have seen it. And, he, and he, uh, Tiger Woods was taking a shot. And uh, everybody else was on their phones, and he was just enjoying the moment. He's the only one without his phone and just hands in his pocket, holding a drink and just enjoying life. And like life, that should be us with, with Christ and our relationship with Christ, where it's just like, God, I'm going to, to be where I'm at in the season you have me, and I'm going to trust you through it. And Solomon did not. And so here he's finding a conclusion that life's better It's better if you rejoice and do good, but follow after Christ. And none of these things are a bad thing, let me me tell you. We can hope and wish and want our kids to grow and, and grow ourselves. But the point is this, sometimes we miss the time that God has us in because we're looking forward to where we think God wants us to be or where we want God to send us or maybe even someone else's expectations of us. Right? If you're 23, 24, 25, or uh, you get the questions and you're still single, when, when, when are you going to find somebody, right? Like, just let me live in this moment. Let me be who God wants me to be right now. If you're, if you're newly married or just married without kids, you get that question, when's the babies coming? It's like we do this with great intentions, but, but time is not for us just to fill it with more things. Time is to re- for, for God to reveal himself to us and for us to dwell with him uh, now and for all of eternity. And so time, what Solomon say, hey, let's look within. There's more to life, and so let's live life to the glory of God. Verse 14 says, nothing added or nothing taken away. His timing's perfect. We may not like it. We may not understand it, but we can trust him through it because his ways are higher, and so his timing is perfect. And so just learn to trust him. It doesn't have to make sense. I know it's hard and it's heavy. David said it this way. Psalm 31 says, my times are in your hands. I think of the story of Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby was used to write over 9,000 hymns, and her, her story still impacting many people to this day. But Fanny, when she was two months old, Uh, was sick and sent to the doctor, and her family doctor was not there. And so a doctor disguised himself, not certified. Uh, He he gave her some ointments and some medicine, although he was not qualified to do so, and her sickness went away, but the ointment in which he used blinded her. Soon after that, her dad died, and her mom had to start working, and so she spent much of her life with her grandma. And there, every week, she would learn five chapters of the Bible— Even from a young age, she had entire uh, uh, books of the Bible memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Gospel, Proverbs. She, She had many chapters of the Bible memorized. At the age of eight, this is what Fanny Crosby wrote in a poem. Oh, what a happy soul I am, blind. Although I cannot see, how resolved that in this world content I will be, but she's blind. How many blessings I enjoy that other people's don't. To weep inside because I'm blind, I cannot, I won't. A preacher once said to Fanny Crosby, it's a pity that God has made you blind. And Fanny replied to him, sir, if I could have petitioned one thing 
when I was born, it would to be, to be born blind. Why? Because that way the very first face that I see when I glaze heaven will be the face of my Savior. You know, Fanny understood something that Solomon did not. God's in control, and our life is best fit in his hands. And our life is best fit lived for Christ. And so no matter what life holds, it's a gift from God that we've been given to bear, and so we can trust him. You can trust God, and life isn't always what we expect it to be, but we can trust that he is, in fact, in control. And that doesn't mean there's not heavy situations in life, so we should just live life lighthearted, right? Even this week, in a 24-hour period, I talked to four people. One was in the hospital prepping for surgery. One was leaving a doctor's visit healed. One was uh, the, the, their wife walked out on them this week. The other one was uh, wanted premarital counseling because, because they were about to get married. And, and there lies the human experience. There's so many ups and downs of life, but here's the difference. God has control, and so we can, we can trust him. There's hope. Look up. God's in control, and look within. Life has more. And let me read the final verses this morning, and we'll be done. Verse 11 says this. The end of verse 11. He has also put eternity on their hearts. Except no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to end. What does it mean? You can't grasp the, the, the bigness that God has plans. I know that nothing is better for them to rejoice and do good in all their lives, with all their labor. Do good. That's our responsibility. Walk in obedience. And also that every man should eat, drink, and enjoy the goods of their labor. It's a gift from God. This is, life is a gift. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away. God does it. That men should fear before him. This is a healthy awe of God. Uh, that which uh, has been, already, that, that which is has already been, and, and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account. You could say it this way. There's a season for everything. There's a reason for everything, and there's a hope for everyone. There's a season for everything, there's a reason for everything, and there's a hope offered to everyone. And, and he spent his life trying to find purpose, and he's finally finding the reality that it was God the whole time. Because there's been eternity written on our hearts. C.S. Lewis said this, If we find ourselves with a thought that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most profitable explanation is that we were made for another world. And if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy, it doesn't prove that this universe is a fraud, but that earthly pleasures were never intended to satisfy. Because they weren't. Because there's been eternity written on your heart. And that's what Solomon missed. It's called general revelation. That God, uh, we can look around and we can know there's something else. Specific revelation is God revealing himself to, to us. And, and that's been written on our hearts. That's why we have this urge to, to find fulfillment because God has written a predestined plan that, that essentially says, Lord, where are you? Well, Lord, where are you? And we try to fill our life with other things that was destined for Christ. And so people will spend their life searching for what the gospel can only fill. It says this, and he put eternity on their heart and no man can escape and no man, except no one, can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. You can't begin to comprehend it, so you have to trust him through it. It's like a child in the why stage. 
Remember your child in the Y stage, or maybe you remember being in the Y stage, like buckle your seatbelt, why? Uh, eat your food, why? Uh, put on your coat, why? Like, because I told you so, right? And you could take the time to explain to them a why, but in the reality at that stage, they wouldn't even begin to comprehend it. It wouldn't make sense to them, and so they have to learn to walk in obedience as they learn to trust you, and the same thing's true with God. You can't begin to comprehend all the whys of, of, of God, but, but he simply says, here's what you can do. You can trust me. You can trust me, and I'll guide your way. I'll be there for you, and so trust me. Verse 14 says, I know whatever God does, it shall be forever, and so look within because there's more to life. What's more? God's permanent. He does what he does, it shall be forever. God's complete, nothing can be added. His actions are secure, nothing can be taken away. His intentions are clear. Men should have a healthy fear of him. And it, he requires an account. And, and, and if this is what's offered to us, then, then all things do matter. If God's gonna give an account, then things matter. What we do matter, how we live greatly matters and creation and time is a tool that God has used to, to, to show us himself and to draw us unto him. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've used time and you're still empty. Maybe you're watching online and you need to know that there's God in heaven who desperately loves you. And he knows that, that you're broken, there's no way you can fill your life with enough time and enough pleasures and enough resources to fill you because it was never intended to. And so you need to lean in and ask yourself, do you know him? It's as if, you were, it's as if we were born on a stranded boat in the middle of the ocean. And we're dying of thirst, there's water all around us, sun beaming down on us, and, and, and the thing that we're thirsty after is all around you. Water, but, but th that will never fill you. In fact, if you drink it, it'll, in that element, it'll only kill you because it was never intended to satisfy you because Jesus came and only Jesus was intended to satisfy you because only Jesus can satisfy you because the Bible says that it's only through Christ that we can be healed. And so the Bible says, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with Christ this morning? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you can be filled. You can be saved. You know him. And so what's the simple illustration for us? It's this. Look up. Look up. Look up. God's in control. Trust him. Trust God. Trust God with your time. And then look within. Life, there's something more and it's a life that's lived in Christ for his glory and for his kingdom. And so what are you living it for? Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy that endureth forever. Lord, we thank you for time. I spoke to many this week who time feels limited as their body begins to decay. Lord, I thank you for the time to be able to assemble, the health to be able to be here. Lord, I thank you for the time that's spent writing the pages of your word that we get to experience and that we get to learn and study. And Lord, may we use our time this week to view it as a gift from God and look up because you order it. You've said it 
you're, you're, you will see it through. And Lord, may we simply trust you. Although I know there's people in this room that are heavy. People in this room, very room that, that are struggling, waiting for tests and biopsy, stress-filled, planning to move. Lord, there's a lot of heaviness in this room, but Lord, may we have confidence that you control our time. I think of the seniors who, who are about to in, embark on a new journey. May they, may they trust in you to control time. I think of the people who may maybe have a little bit more time than they're used to with retirement. Lord, may they use their time for the kingdom, for you, to point people to you, to live with you. But may we slow down this week and may we look up because you are in control. And Lord, may we look within and evaluate ourselves and how we're using time. And Lord, may we look in and may we live out the faith that we have within. If somebody's here and they don't know you, Lord, may they uh, come and have a conversation because there's nothing greater to use your time to, to, to come to know Christ. Lord, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to close out our service this morning.